Did you know there are living prophets today? Every six months they come together at a general conference for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Join us as we study these talks at Conference in Review. Hello, I'm Dana. I'm Derek. We have two talks about discipleship. And of course, I think the minute I, I saw these together, I knew I wanted to put these two together. So we're going to start a little bit reverse because we've got lasting discipleship and patterns of discipleship. And we're kind of going back and forth between those. Yeah. So we'll start with Stephen J. Lunn talking about FSY, which used to be EFY, especially for youth is now for the strength of youth. And talks about how a lot of these kids go to this activity. And he talks about how a lot of people go, I don't know anybody. I didn't want to come. But by the end, they didn't want to go home because they felt awesome, like on fire. That happens a lot. I think I've heard of at least two stories. One of them is my cousin's son who just did not want to be there. They call home, say, Mom, come pick me up. And just try it a little longer, and by the end, they have this great experience. Yeah. And this is the biggest trial is that you have this great experience. It's kind of like I've heard about weight loss camp where kids, they lose weight, they feel great, they come home, and then they get right back into old habits. And that's the one thing that, like weight loss camp, we're trying to have a spiritual fitness, and he addresses when you finish with these things, like not just especially for youth, I'm sorry, for strength of youth, but girls camp and, and missions, how do we keep it? Yeah, how, how do we stay there rather than slipping back? I like yeah. that question. That's a question I have a lot. It's how do we stay at that level? Mm -hmm. Well, I think if you refer back to Elder Satati, his, he's an emeritus member of the 70, and his talk about patterns of discipleship, it's a beautiful pattern because he addresses four things that when we incorporate into our life and our daily patterns, it helps us to keep keep it alive, keep that fire alive, even if it's not always passionate, kind of like in marriage, you know, when you're first dating, it's just all passionate. I'm so in love. And, you know, by, by a less than a year, oftentimes that passion has cooled a bit and you've got to have something deeper underneath it to have it keep going and be even better than the passion. Yeah. I, I really like what he talks about that. He, he starts out, he talks about the days that the sun comes up, you have a day, then you have a night and no matter what a person does, you can't change that. I only know of one time that it was changed. <laughs> and that was Christ on when he came to the Americas. That's kind of an incredible. And the when the battles of Jericho, when he kept the sun stayed still. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, there's a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, most of us can't do anything about it, right? We just have to... <laughs> deal with uh, our 24 hours and he talks about how constant that is and then compares that to spiritual patterns that there are spiritual patterns that we can't change we have to 
we can't move we can't uh manipulate them there's we have to just learn those patterns and work in those patterns and if we follow those patterns we can get where we want to go and so he talks about them and it to me this is a really kind of a, a deep talk as he talks about this pattern that that you go through mm-hmm. to come closer to Jesus Christ and it's goes right along with Steve Lunds because he's like how do you keep it when you're not at those big spiritual highs right mm-hmm. so one of the things he talks about is that um, the first you know the first principle and ordinance of the gospel are first faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and he says that before you can have faith you have to have humility you have to have that ability to recognize your dependence on God um, and once you recognize and have that humility you start to have faith and baptism is a demonstration of that humility that's why that's the entrance and I never really thought of that before but when you are baptized it's a demonstration of your humility it's a broken heart and contrite spirit which prepares us to start on that path i have a question about that Um, what do you say to someone who says well at eight years old i'm not able to have that humility i don't understand If, if 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 they're if they're eight years old and they have concerns, I think you address those concerns. But what if they're like older and they say, looking back, and they try to say, "Well, I didn't know what I was doing." It, it's not about those. They're they're invitations um, that you that you learn. If if you look at when you have the Holy Ghost, mm-hmm. it you don't you aren't just handed the Holy Ghost. The blessing says, receive the Holy Ghost. It's an invitation for you to learn how to receive that gift of the Holy Ghost. It isn't just handed to you, but as you learn what it means to be receptive to the Holy Spirit, you learn how to receive the Holy Ghost. Mm -hmm. As you learn how to learn and make and keep the covenant of baptism you're learning how to receive the holy ghost you're given the door is opened Mm -hmm. but you have to step through it and learn the the steps at eight obviously you don't know everything but at 80 you still don't know everything Mm -hmm. if you waited till you knew everything you wouldn't make the commitment Mm, that's a good point Okay, so we're talking about. We I think we were we left off. We were talking about the the patterns of discipleship, and we talked about the faith. Yeah. To become baptized, the humility, which uh, I like, a lack of humility, contributes most to the fulfillment of Apostle Paul's prophecy in the last days, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous. Boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, 
without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good. And I've found that as plain as it is to some people, it's not plain to others. And that as we declare in boldness, that is also important to be meek, humble, and often talk to others that when you think it's to be uh, humble enough to feel when the spirit is moving upon you of when to be bold and when to um, speak in a way that is, you know, sometimes to, to know to the spirit of what, what it's needed to be here, whether that is boldness or whether that is more of a, a meekness, more of a call to love rather than to just like two rams knocking heads. Yeah. Yeah, I like that both of the talks um, specifically talk about, um, you know, they talk about these highs and about these patterns, but the real concern is figuring these things out mm -hmm. in the, the troubles of this world. This world is can really uh, overwhelm you if if you let it and so learning how to uh, have a certain level of spirituality like the prophet is teaching us mm -hmm. in our daily life is the goal yeah to keep it every day and there's something to be said about gatherings such as in the other talk talking about um the youth conference and mm -hmm. the camp i like how his wife when she was the i guess she was the young women's president or something and she told the parents give your kiss a, your mm. girls a kiss goodbye and a hug and because they're not coming back and he's like what do you mean they're not coming back he goes, no the girls who leave tuesday won't be the girls who come back saturday yeah. Yeah. and that's true i i don't think i've even mentioned this yet have i my brother going to EFY in 1990. Mm. My brother and I both went to EFY. It was in Indiana. And we came back and we were both all pumped up. He would have gone on his mission right then if he could have. Mm. He was 18 and you couldn't go till you were 19. And mm. he wasn't going to be 19 for another six months. And by the time those six months got there, he no longer felt that fire. He Other things came in, and that was gone. Yeah. And so you come back and you're on fire and then it disappears. So um going back to I was going to say one thing about that. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh I think probably one of the highlights for me and I kind of compare everything to it was as a missionary we would have apostles come and speak to us. And so they'd get the whole mission in a stake center. And they would teach us for three or four hours. It was like a three or four hour fireside. Mm -hmm. And so we would take notebooks. And I remember writing as hard and as fast as I could for multiple hours and just feeling like you weren't quite even sitting on your chair. You were just, all this, you were just getting so much and it just, you just didn't want it to end. And he's just up there teaching and you're just 
it's like, oh man, it, you know, and, and you're just feeling the spirit and you're just having this amazing experience. And it's, it's, it's multiple hours. And so, uh, I, I tend to, when I have a really neat experience, I tend to compare it to that because that for me was one of the highs of my life was to just sit and be taught by a, an apostle, uh, you know, and just, just be just floating in the spirit to just a neat experience. Mm -hmm. That's how I felt. I got, when I, I was able to go to EFY twice, once when I was 14 and once when I was 17. And it's kind of like education week for the youth. Yeah. They do games. I mean, they make it really fun. Yeah. And our award gets to go this year. We were supposed to go three years ago, but COVID knocked us out. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of sad because two of our, or, yeah, two of our kids didn't get to go. Yeah. But yeah, one went on a mission to... and the other one's going on a mission. Yeah. And so when we were talking about my getting my daughter ready to go, she just had this like tears in her eyes like, I don't want to go. Yeah. I have convinced her. I mean, she is planning on rooming with one of her friends, but she didn't want to go. And I'm just thinking, what do you mean you don't? And I think that's probably how you feel when... um uh, when people don't want to go on missions, it's like, what do you mean you don't want to go? It's amazing. Yeah. And because I know that it was, it was very, I don't know that I'd say it was life changing. It wasn't like a mission, but it was such, it was like going in and charging your batteries. It's like eating a good meal when you're really, really hungry and you feel so satisfied. Yeah. Because it's geared in a way that kids, teenagers, I at my at that age, I some teenagers are really great about listening in conference. I was not one of them. I was just like suffer through it. And my parents only made me go to one session. Mm. So well, because we didn't get it at home back then. You you had to go to the stake center, and that's why we have things like our youth Tuesday night activities or Wednesday night activities for the youth that's why we have sunday school and young men young women we have these things because like he says in uh, it's lasting discipleship about how there is a power to gathering together and like we've mentioned in other talks how you don't go to church just for your recharging your battery just so that you get your bucket filled you're there to fill other people's buckets i'm talking about filling buckets that's what we say at my school being bucket fillers yeah and just being there to and it's if you're naturally shy and introverted it is it's difficult but it is something you can get better at yeah that's one of the things that uh elder Sitati talks about is that learning how to love god and love others the way you learn to love others is through serving them. Mm -hmm. That that uh, service becomes a pattern and is a trait of charity. And charity, charity is the greatest of all. Yeah. And as we learn that charity, we become more Christ-like. And there's there's. Really, I would. I mean, all the talks are good, but man, I I listened to Elder Satati's talk, 
And as I went through it, there is such a great uh, explanation of the pattern to follow to become like Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I started writing it down and writing through it, I, I was like, man, there's this is really good. This He just really lays out. It's like this is what he's been doing his whole life. And I really think a lot of these talks, you know, these these men and women are sharing the deepest things of, of, of their heart because there is no uh, guidance on what they're teaching. No. And the apostles, you know, they're apostles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they're, they're, but but the 70s, they may speak a couple of times and they're going to share their li- the life lessons that they've learned from their... And that's what it feels like. Elder Satati, he's emeritus, this is probably the last time he'll speak. Mm-hmm. And it really felt like this talk was the life lessons that he had learned that he wanted to give you to give all a, the members. You give a good point there that I hadn't thought of is how... The seventy, the non, the non apostle uh, leaders of the church, they don't get to speak every session, and they may only get to speak once right. in their life. In fact, David A. Bednar never spoke in conference before he was called to the twelve. Mm. I, Elder Uchtdorf did. It's funny going back and listening to that. I think I went back and listened to that a few years ago, and it's. His accent's a lot heavier. Oh, yeah. It was back in the 90s, I think. Oh, wow. And I think that he only gave one or two talks before he was called. Most of them have given one or two talks. And a lot of them maybe give more than one. But like Elder Satati, like you said, he's emeritus. He probably will not ever speak again in general conference. Yeah. Uh, the service, I was thinking about how we get called to do ministering assignments in other churches, you know, people, they have jobs, like you might, jobs will be, there's paid, and then you can be a volunteer, and how in our church, everything is volunteered, and it's expected that you will be, you will ha- take a calling, you can always say no, my my grandfather, well, I don't know about the, my grandpa Reyes, my dad said, but my grandpa Blair, he was known to say no to callings. Mm. He was known to say, my brother, my brother Blair, who was named after them, he he's told me about how one time Grandpa took him aside and had a real conversation. You know, I find when times get hard, the first thing you got to let go is tithing. And my brother almost laughed out loud, and then he realized, oh, you're serious. Because <laughs> that wasn't how he was raised. That's not what he believed. Um, he, and you know, God knows our hearts and everything he, but we are a service oriented church that when you are assigned to be someone's ministering brother or sister, or in the past was a visiting teacher, which was harder and yet easier in some ways that although the thing that made it, the bad thing about visiting teaching and home teaching was that sometimes it was easy to make feel, someone feel like you were just checking off your list. Yeah. I think with ministering, there's more of um, you feel like when people are, are ministering to you, you feel like they're doing it because they're thinking about you, not because they're checking off the list because there is no list to check off. There's no more reports. Yeah. And 
uh, be honest, I know that a lot of us aren't very good at it. I, Derek's pretty good because you sort of seem to treat it like home teaching. And and mm. I, I know Ruby and I need to be a little bit better. We, we touch base maybe once every three or four months. But we, um, our state president asked us to do in-home visits, and we did an in-home visit, I think, last month or the month before with one of our ladies because she's harder. It's one family. They're easier to drop in on and surprise the other families harder. But anyway, I, I digress. Pattern of service. Um, now I'm going to hop back to lasting discipleship because something really touched me on this is when he was flying through Amsterdam, which he served his mission in the Netherlands, which was interesting because I hadn't noticed that before. We found out my, so when my daughter brought her friend from the Netherlands to church, found out her Sunday school teacher had served in the Netherlands. I didn't know that. Yeah. She was saying they were speaking in Dutch. I was like, wow, small world. Yeah. Well... <laughs> And do you remember that movie called The Best Two Years when uh-huh. the greenie comes in and the lady starts speaking to him in Dutch and he looks at his companion and goes, Elder, what language was that? Yeah. That's Dutch. That's not what they taught me in the MTC. Yeah, that's an experience <laughs> I think most missionaries go through. <laughs> that was so cute. You learn very basic, uh, very correct, and then you go and it's just, you know, you have the accent and you have the slang. My mission was... I found out after my mission that my country is the very worst for speaking Spanish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's what I heard someone say that Chile is like the Scotland of Spanish speakers. Yeah. So when he's having all his memories of going there and how he could not understand what they were saying, but uh, eventually things went well. Now he's greeting a missionary coming home, and he says, President Lund, what do I do now? How do I remain strong? And I love this response. You don't have to wear the badge to bear his name. And I think of, I remember you talking to your brother when he had to take the badge off and how you just, it's just kind of a sadness, kind of this is the end of an era kind of thing. Yeah. To think of those words, you don't have to wear a badge to bear his name. That's profound. Yeah. And at the end of his talk, he says, you know, the advice given to the missionary is just keep doing what you're doing. Pray, and you know who to pray to, the language of prayer, studying his word, love the Savior, be like him, serve others, live the commandments, and repent. Mm-hmm. Just keep doing those things, and you will you'll be able to hold a level of that spirit that you need. Yeah, retain that pattern of love, that pattern of service that you had on your mission. So now you may not have to serve every day, but remember you have ministering callings. You have your other calling. Yeah. You um, keep that humility and love. And yeah. resist the temptation to get sucked into your own life because that's what will happen. Yeah. Well, we're trying to shorten these up quite a bit. Um, last week we had we released one about the prophet, which was amazing. I loved it. It took so much work to edit that video. <laughs> yeah. We will do those once in a while, but um, yeah. 
but these these two talks are definitely worth reviewing we hope that you are able to get something from what we've shared as we review a couple more of the conference talks and uh, with that we'll ask you to follow the prophet